This is Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia. Welcome to South China Sea Currents, a weekly podcast on what's happening in the South China Sea. Now I'm away this week, so the podcast will be presented by our South China Sea reporter Drake Long. Now he's been lucky enough to get an interview with Murray Hebert, who's one of the best Southeast Asia watchers there is. Murray's just completed a book, Under Beijing Shadow, Southeast Asia's China Challenge, which takes a very close look at China's rise and how that is shaping Southeast Asia. So over to Drake. Hello, listeners. Welcome to South China Sea Currents. I am your host for this week, Drake Long, and I am joined today by Mary Hebert. Mary Hebert is a senior associate of the Southeast Asia program at the Center for Strategic International Studies here in Washington, D.C. He earlier served as senior advisor and deputy director of the CSIS Southeast Asia program, and before that, he was the senior director for Southeast Asia at the U.S. Chamber for Commerce. And earlier, he had a storied career as a journalist, covering all sorts of issues in Asia and Southeast Asia. He was a journalist in the China Bureau of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, He also worked for the Far Eastern Economic Review, where he was based in Kuala Lumpur and Hanoi. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Also Thailand. Yeah, so you really made the rounds. He is also, listeners, the author of a new book entitled Under Beijing's Shadow, which looks at Southeast Asia's relationship with a rising China, which I'm sure is of interest to many of you out there. Mr. Hebert, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. So to set up our first question, with a book like this, you're looking at many, many very different countries, and you're dealing with a very pressing, timely issue like the rise of China. What is one takeaway? What is one item that every reader or listener should probably take away from your book? Well, I guess I guess one one obvious point I make in the book is that Southeast Asia it looks to China for for economic development and and growth and a lot of trade and investment under the Belt and Road Initiative. At the same time, China's rise has them a little anxious. China is being a little bit assertive in the South China Sea, and uh, maybe sometimes a little more than a little bit assertive, and and that has them nervous at, at how this is going to go. So it's a it's a mixed bag of sweet and sour, or you know hope and and uh, anxiety, but overall they realize they're neighbors and they are going to have to live with China, and so it's best to have best relationships you can possibly have. I should say the best relationships you can have and still maintain your independence, sovereignty, that kind of stuff. Mm, and that's actually a theme that we see a lot in our reporting here on the South China Sea. A lot of regional governments, while they may have security concerns, want to downplay them or simply not bring them up because they're a little frightened of endangering the other parts of their relationship Mm. with China, or at least reticent to do so. On that note, what was the single most surprising thing you found while researching and writing this book? You're familiar with the region. You've spent a lot of time there. What did you find that did not conform to your expectations when actually sitting down and getting to the writing process? Well, I mean, there there were a lot of things, but one that might be uh, more uh, general is how difficult it has been for China to implement projects under the Belt and Road. The railroad in Laos, they negotiated for five years to agree on what share Laos would pay for, what share China would pay for. At first, China wanted them to pay for the whole thing, the whole $6 billion, how much land China would get on each side of the railroad. And they, so they negotiated a long time. Thailand, the country immediately south of Laos, has been 
has has had more than 25 rounds of negotiations since 2014 when they had a coup and and the and the west was isolating thailand you would have thought they might want to get going on the railroad but no and it's still not going really and in places like indonesia they face a lot of land acquisition problems and you know i could go down the line but but the other thing that's interesting is that china does negotiate and so it it in some cases it has lowered the interest rate which happened with laos in malaysia it it uh, shortened the route and lowered the cost of the east coast rail link that that china was building there so i i guess i was i was i thought china would find it easier i thought china might bully a little bit more but i didn't expect them really to to be willing to negotiate uh projects that isn't true in all cases we have a case in myanmar where they still china has been talking about the mistong dam regularly since 2012 when when myanmar canceled it but but mostly they try to meet the locals part way that is interesting that's definitely counter to some of the assumptions or the narrative or observations however you want to put it uh, that we see over here on a regular basis. Um, so the last prepared question that I have is, what is one thing the United States should pay more attention to in Southeast Asia? You've already hinted at a couple of different things, but maybe what's one more thing that the U.S. should pay attention to, should be aware of, uh, some issue that the U.S. isn't quite getting in the region? I, I might give two uh, suggestions, one in the general sense. I think Southeast Asia really wants the U.S. present while it deals with this risen China. They, they view the U.S. as a hedge. They can sleep better at night if the Seventh Fleet is sailing in the South China Sea. And, you know, and they would also like the U.S. to, to just be more present, show up at meetings. They, they feel often senior officials find there's not much that happens at an ASEAN meeting, so why should I go? We're not going to sign a new peace treaty or anything. Uh, so that's one thing. And you know, the other is, and I hope I'm free to say this, is I think the U.S. should pay more attention to Myanmar, uh, Burma, as the U.S. government still calls it. I know that kicking out the Rohingya was repulsive, was awful, it was evil. I don't. I could use many bad word, you know, words to describe how awful it was, uh, but it is a sizable country in Southeast Asia, over 54 million people. It's at the crossroads of China to Southeast Asia, India to Southeast Asia, China to India. It's an important country, and you know, since the the Rohingya were kicked out in, beginning in 2017 and early 2018, the U.S hasn't is put sanctions on a few people, not giving them visas, top leaders, military leaders, but it's really lost total interest in the country compared to what it was in 2011, 2012, they mounted uh, reforms and then uh, Secretary of State Clinton visited and uh, President Obama visited and it was, it was a little bit of a darling, maybe too much of a darling, but we've gone from you know, treating them like darlings to almost to quasi pariahs. And uh, I think we have to be able to challenge countries on human rights and still have decent cooperative relationships. And Vietnam is one example of that, I think. Thank you. That's very interesting and very timely. Uh, listeners, if you are interested in the situation in Burma or Myanmar, please check out our reporting on the refugee crisis on Radio Free Asia and our sister site, Bainar News. 
there's a lot going on in that country. Uh, that's the, all the questions that I have for this interview, and I'm about ready to wrap this up, but really quick, where can people get your book? Well, the easiest way to get it, of course, is Amazon.com. Otherwise, I have to give you a very long, long address. Uh, Amazon's the easiest. Thanks. Got it. And the full title of the book is? Under Beijing's Shadow, Southeast Asia's China Challenge. Got it. Mary Hebert, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. You can read Drake's previous articles on these and other subjects about the South China Sea at rfa.org and bananews.org. You can also catch up on our previous podcasts there and also on Spotify and iTunes if you search for South China Sea Currents. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email us on South China Sea, that's all one word, at rfa.org or follow Drake on Twitter. His handle is DRM underscore long. This podcast series is created by Leo Kim and produced by Radio Free Asia. Thank you for listening and please join us again.